Today's show is brought to you by the best-selling book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide, full-spectrum treatments to optimize your dog's life quality and longevity. It's available everywhere books are sold, in both paperback and digital editions, and on the publisher's website at dogcancerbook.com. Use coupon code PODCAST on that website to get 10% off the Dog Cancer Survival Guide today. So you don't want to put so much pressure that the tissue around it starts turning white, because that means you're compressing off all circulation. That's the same principle that applies to tourniquets. Tourniquets can be life-saving, but they cause significant damage because they truly cut off all the circulation to an area. So if you push so much pressure that you're starting to see the area around that kind of turn white, you're probably applying too much. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Here's your host, James Jacobson. Hello, friend, and welcome to Dog Cancer Answers. Today, we're going to tackle a topic that is beneficial not only to owners of dogs with certain types of cancer, but also to dog owners in general. As perfect as our pooches may be every once in a while, you know, they get themselves into a little bit of trouble and some of that trouble might lead to a bleeding wound. To discuss how to stop bleeding in your dog, we are joined once again by our chief veterinary editor, Dr. Nancy Reese, an experienced veterinarian who has a master's in preventative veterinary medicine and a PhD in epidemiology. Dr. Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Today, we're going to talk about a bloody topic, and that is, uh, you know, things that can happen related to uh, blood. I hate blood, Nancy. Things that can happen uh, when your dog has had some sort of trauma. So when is bleeding considered an emergency? So probably the most common source we have about phone calls for bleeding is when people clip a toenail too close. Mm. So it always looks like a lot of bleeding, but that's not something where they're actually going to lose a significant amount of blood. But for something like that, if you know you're going to trim your dog's nails, having something like some styptic powder, which is stuff you can buy at pet food or pet stores, that works great for, you know, clotting that blood on a on a bloody toenail. But I've had people use cornstarch or flour as an emergency backup because it just provides kind of a substance for the blood cells to grab onto and and clot the blood. So bloody toenails are a very frequent source of of bleeding, but obviously you can have all sorts of other things, you know, sharp objects in the house or anything out in the yard that could certainly cause more significant bleeding. Okay. And so, you know, septic powder, pretty simple thing, but let's turn this to a more aggressive or scary type of bleeding that could be connected to cancers because there are some cancers that are likely to cause bleeding, right? Right, absolutely. And the kind of the classic one that we think of is something like a hemangiosarcoma. Mm-hmm. Certainly that can cause more often internal bleeding, which is a little harder to be able to do something about or recognize at home. Although Union Bio is, and I think that's been talked about on this show in several different uh, contexts and, and episodes. And we'll put links to Union Bio conversations in today's show notes that, so that people can learn more about that. Perfect. That's great because the capsules themselves seem to have some anti-bleeding properties. And then the, the packages usually come 
with a sort of a little mysterious emergency red pill. The red pill. And in case, yeah, the red pill. And in cases of, you know, that uncontrolled bleeding, people will use that, that red pill. But you can even get some of the hemangiosarcomas can be on the skin and rupture open or other types of tumors that might accidentally get hit and bleed. And you can use unibiotopically as well. And that can help. Or with a bloody nose, you can even try some topically there. You don't want to be squirting it far up the nose, but if it's an, kind of an external bleed, you can open those union bio capsules and put some of the powder directly on something bleeding. And that, that can help stop things until you can get to a, an emergency vet clinic. Okay. So is it mainly hemangiosarcoma and, and nasal tumors that cause bleeding issues? The nasal tumors is a huge one because they often will sneeze a lot with those. And the nasal passages, kind of like ears, they are very well vascularized or have a lot of blood vessels. So when something starts to bleed, it bleeds a lot. Um, so ears and noses are, are places that are always difficult to stop bleeding from. Paw pads is another one. So just a, you know, a naive question, but one that is in my head because I am naive. What is the difference or similarity between dog's blood and human blood? Well, they're, they're really quite similar in terms of most animals have red blood cells that look fairly similar. They have platelets, which are responsible for clotting, and then they have different types of white and red blood cells. And then the liquid part of the blood, the serum and plasma, which has clotting factors. So there, there's actually a lot of similarities between human and dog blood. The numbers are usually a little bit different as to the percentages of cells or absolute counts, but otherwise they're, they're reasonably similar. And do they have blood typing, you know, like O, A, B, that as well? They do. It's not the same blood types that we have in terms of the ABO right. pattern, but there are definitely blood types. And before giving transfusions to an animal, it is ideal to blood type them because if you give the wrong blood, usually the first time you can get by with uh, any similar species blood. But if you have to do multiple transfusions, they should be typed to minimize any kind of transfusion reaction. Let's take a break right here. We will be back in a quick moment. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpuff, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day, because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. 
Ever pup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damian Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. Welcome back. We are speaking with Dr. Nancy Reese about bleeding in your dog. So I've held some greyhounds in my experience who had hemangiosarcoma and they were just sort of like bleeding out. It was sort of leaching through the skin and it was really, you know, a difficult thing because the dog wasn't all that aware of what was happening, but it was very apparent in situations where you have that, what do you do? So some of the things, the general bleeding first aid procedures can help a little bit. So applying direct pressure, Mm -hmm. if it's actually bleeding out through the skin where you're seeing the liquid pooling there, you can apply some gentle direct pressure. You don't want to put so much pressure that you would cause more damage. Mm -hmm. But if you get a non-fibrous type of dressing 
and apply it over there and keep pressure on that area. If there's still enough clotting factors, you can get some relief with, with just that direct pressure. One of the hardest things in the first aid principles is never to peek under that dressing because mm-hmm. as soon as you lift that up, you remove the clot and things start over. So if you see something bleeding through that dressing, you need to apply more rather than lifting it up and starting over. Got it. But it is, it, it's tough with something like hemangiosarcoma because if something like that ruptures, it's usually such a large volume of blood. It's not just a normal blood vessel that has ruptured and you're just trying to seal a little leak. It's usually a big habitated or, or a, a voluminous area that ruptures and so the blood loss can be much more dramatic and direct pressure might not help. If my dog has a tumor other than hemangiosarcoma, which is obviously on the inside pulling out, but a, a more of an external tumor and that starts to bleed, how do you, you know, stop that or protect that? The same process? Basically the same process is you can try the, the direct pressure for a little bit or putting a bandage on there to help with that so you're not squishing the thing too much. Or you could apply some Union Bio powder or something along those and then put the dressing on and direct pressure. And then obviously that, because the tumor cells are so abnormal, it's not normal skin and it's not a nice clean wound that can just be stitched up, it may have to actually have surgery to, to help get rid of that bleeding source. And I know this is an audio podcast, but when you talk about direct pressure, how do you know how much is too much? Like it's going to hurt a little bit when you have a bleeding finger and you squeeze it, but you, you know, you know that you're not crushing it. Where do you find that finesse? That's a really good question because I think our tendency is to put a lot of pressure on something. Mm-hmm. With a dog, first of all, they're going to let you know if it's too much pressure because they're going to say, <laughs> you know, that really hurts and they might try to bite or move away. So you don't want to put so much pressure that the tissue around it starts turning white because that means you're compressing off all circulation. That's the same principle that applies to tourniquets. Tourniquets can be life-saving, but they cause significant damage because they truly cut off all the circulation to an area. So if you push so much pressure that you're starting to see the area around that kind of turn white, you're probably applying too much. Got it. Is there anything else? I mean, these are sort of, you know, we've been talking about septic powder and applying pressure and a little bit about union bio as it relates to basically just that one cancer, hemangiosarcoma. Is there anything that is, I don't know, more high tech or more cutting edge than this basic type of first aid? There actually are some pretty interesting products. One I can think of off the top of my head is um, Hemoblock. And I believe oh, there was one of these that had a really fascinating story of, I think it was some high school kid that developed it for a science project. I can't remember if it's Hemoblock or one of the other ones, um, but those are tremendous at activating clotting factors and things. You can buy this. I believe it's over the counter. I mean, I'm sure Amazon sells it, um, but they, they come in a powder form. You can use it surgically if you have something that's bleeding uh, during a surgery and things. You can actually apply this stuff even in the abdomen and things that can help to clear up the bleeding there. So that's a great one. And I would say if somebody had like a working dog or you're going out backpacking with your dog and, and there's a chance that you might be in the backcountry and need to apply first aid, you know, maybe having something like that would be handy to have because it's going to take a while before you can get back to civilization if you were out with your dog and it got a severe injury. That is an awesome tip. Uh, so it's more sort of like a high-tech septic pencil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you can also, there's also pressure points, just like they have in people. Dogs have pressure mm. points, kind of, it's hard to describe audio-wise, but 
um, in the armpit on the brachial artery or in the groin on the femoral artery, you can apply direct pressure there. And that's usually not as dangerous as a tourniquet because you're just cutting off one artery and you can't put as much pressure as a tourniquet could. But that's a great way to reduce bleeding to a particular area, particularly if you can combine it with elevating. So if the, if a paw is bleeding like crazy, you can raise that paw above the level of the heart and use a pressure point, And that might be enough to stop bleeding. Wow. Those are some great tips. Anything else that I should have asked about bleeding and what you can do to stop it that we haven't covered? Avoid it in the first place. <laughs> okay, well, how do you do that? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, be, be cautious of where your dog goes. If so trauma-wise, you know, if you, if you know you're going to be out in sharp rocks, maybe have the dog have a pair of booties. If your dog has a big tumor that's likely to bleed, don't let it go out on its own where it might injure itself or fall on that. I mean, I think, and obviously avoid cars, common sense things in terms of avoiding dangerous situations. Awesome. Well, Dr. Nancy Reese, thanks for all the bloody details. I appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure, I think. And thank you, dear listener. I want to encourage you to check out the show notes for today's episode for links to some of the first aid products that Dr. Nancy mentioned in the show. You can find those on our website at dogcanceranswers.com. That is where you'll find the show notes for even more information on caring for your dog, especially if your dog has cancer. Please subscribe to our free newsletter, and you can do that by going to dogcancernews.com. That's dogcancernews.com to get a free subscription to our newsletter. We also have a wonderful Facebook support group for owners of dogs with cancer, and you can join that by typing in your favorite browser, dogcancersupport.com. That's dogcancersupport.com, and that will redirect you to our Facebook private group, and you can join that, of course, for free. Well, that is all we have for today. I want to thank you for hitting the play button and joining us. I'm James Jacobson, and from all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.